It's a moment that millions of people witness live and hundreds of millions talk about since. And I'm referring to what many have called the slap for around the world. <laughs> it's okay if you don't know what I'm referring to, because um, I'm always one step behind culturally. But at the Academy Award, um, at the Academy Awards, MC and comedian Chris Rock, he roasted actress Jada Pinkett Smith. Chris Rock, he shared a joke that made fun of Jada's hair loss due to a medical condition that she has. And it was a hurtful joke, it was aimed at Jada's expense, and it happened on one of the world's biggest stages. And so actor Will Smith, who was Jada's husband, he got out of his seat in the middle of the Academy Awards, he walked up onto the stage, uninvited, and he slapped Chris Rock across the face. Now, I, I know that we didn't come here tonight to analyze the rift between Chris Rock and the Smiths. And there are definitely more constructive ways to solve disputes where somebody has hurt you or wronged you or wronged somebody that you love. And violence is never a healthy solution to a difficult problem. But what drew my attention to this cultural moment is that as we read through Jesus' story, that leads up to his cross, you find similar emotions, conflict, judgment, rejection directed at him. Listen to John 18. When Jesus answered the high priest saying, why do you question me? Go ahead and ask those who heard from me. One of the officials nearby Jesus slapped him in the face. Is this the way that you answer the high priest? Matthew 26. Then the religious leaders and the elders spit in Jesus' face. They struck him with their fists. Others slapped him and said, Go ahead, why don't you prophesy now, since you are the Messiah? Tell us who is you. John 19. The Roman soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns. They put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe, and they went up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they greeted him with slaps to his face. These are charged scenes. And this is what we find in the climax of the Gospels recorded for us. And scholars in history, they, they, they know that this happened. Nobody really debates what happened to Jesus Christ. And these slaps, these insults, they were much more than simple bursts of human injustice, exasperation, and anger. They were a calculated, emotional act of judgment that communicated very clearly, you have disappointed us. You have failed us. You should be ashamed. You have been judged by us, and we believe that you, Jesus, you do not measure up to who you ought to be. You are not the Savior and the Messiah that we think you should be. And ultimately, Jesus would face the, the ultimate rejection from the people who would, who would say to him, you don't deserve to live anymore. Instead, we will punish you to the point where we will take away everything from you, your family, your friends, your future, even your life. And these are weighty things, and, and as we're, we're considering them tonight, and as we do, I want to make two brief and personal connections as that, to how this story is unfolding, how it connects to us as well. We are not distant onlookers, but we need to see how we fit 
how we connect personally into the story today in 2022 here in central New Jersey. So the first personal connection. We are in this story, you and me, because your sin and because my sin put Jesus on the cross. It wasn't just the people who were there that put Jesus on the cross. Make that very clear. We put him there too. We are responsible. And I know this is jarring to our ears. It's meant to be. But this is where Good Friday pushes us. It pushes us into this very uncomfortable place. Little imagination exercise for you. Imagine your friend has a birthday coming up. And, and you go out of your way and you do a ton of work and it's all behind the scenes to make this day super special for your friend. And then the birthday comes and it's amazing and it's special just like you hoped it would be. And then your friend totally ignores you. Never says thanks. Never acknowledges your strategic role in making it all happen. It's as if you don't exist. If that happened, we might use the expression, that is such a slap in the face. This small little story, this little vignette, it is how all of us treat God. Except God doesn't just give us one special day. He gives us an entire life. He created us. We exist because of him. Every day he sustains us. Every breath we take. Every piece of food that we enjoy, it all comes from his merciful hand. He's given us life to live according to his good purposes. And what is our response to this lavish generosity that God gives us? We ignore him. We are reluctant to not acknowledge him. We don't thank him in all the ways that we should. Romans 1.21 summarizes this situation for us. It says, even though we know God exists, we do not want to glorify him as God. We do not want to give him thanks as our creator and as our sustainer. And so our thinking becomes futile and foolish and our hearts become dark. And this is what the Bible calls sin. And, and here's the thing. Your sin and my sin, it might look different on the surface. Deception, bitterness, ingratitude, apathy toward loving and serving others around us. Envy, pride. The surface of our sin, the behavior that we see, it might look different between you and me. But at the heart of our sin, it's all the same. It says, God, even though my life comes from you, I will choose how I ought to live. And I will choose what is best for me. I don't need you. I don't want you. And our sin is essentially a slap to the face of God. In a few minutes, we're going to sing, Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. And it was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. So do you see yourself in this story tonight? We are the people who believe deep down, I don't need God, I don't want God, and I don't want to follow a Savior who calls me to follow Him and to live for Him. And that rebellious, stubborn, independent, sinful posture, 
That's what led the people to mock Jesus, to scoff, to blindfold, to spit, to slap, and ultimately to crucify him. And so we are no different. Do you see that our sin is what put Jesus on the cross? And if that was the extent of the Christian message, I would say this would be a miserable, hopeless message. <laughs> and so thankfully there is more, and that's why I want to lead us to the second personal connection. We are in this story because Jesus went to the cross out of great love for us and to give us new life. Why would Jesus allow himself to be mistreated, ridiculed, shamed, executed, if it all was really completely unjust, and it was, and if he really had the power to stop it all, and he did, why would he endure it? Why would he endure it with relative silence and extraordinary patience? I mean, at one point Jesus says, do you think I cannot call on my Father? And he will at once put at disposal thousands of angels to rescue me from all of this. If it was me or you out there, we would have chosen that option, for sure. The option of rescue. The option of putting everybody else in their rightful place and making them feel how wrong they really were. But Jesus chooses a different option. Instead, and this is what we've been singing about, instead, the almighty judge of humanity, he submits himself to humanity's unjust judgment. The one who has eternal glory hangs on a cross in naked shame. The author of life gives up his life. The sustainer of all things becomes a corpse in a tomb. If this is who Jesus really is, the almighty judge, the one who has eternal glory, the author of life, the sustainer of all things, why did he go through the only answer is because he loves us. Because he loves you and because he loves me. The only thing that makes sense of why Jesus would endure all of this is because he really, genuinely, truly loves us. It's because he wanted to bring us back to God and make us right with him. It's because he wants us to have new life in him. A life where we now belong to him and can live for him. It was just read a moment ago. Do you remember how one mocked Jesus at the foot of his cross? He saved others, but he can't even save himself. Jesus performed many miraculous acts for others. You would think he could have pulled out one more in this moment and could have saved himself. But that's just it. If he went ahead and he saved himself that moment, then he could not save us. And so it's because that he would not save himself out of great love for us, thinking of us, that he can and does and will save us. Our sin was placed on Jesus at the cross. Our sin, symbolized by mocking words and the spit heaped upon them, symbolized by the slaps and the crown of thorns that was pressed down upon he took our sin upon himself at the cross so that through faith in him, we might be healed, we might be forgiven, and given new life to live in him. 
And this is exactly how Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, puts it. And you'll hear this again, read again in a minute. But we'll read it twice. Mm -hmm. When they hurled insults at Jesus, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, Jesus entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. So do you see yourself in this part of the story tonight? Jesus has a great, deep, personal and profound love for you. Do you see that? Do you see that he made a way back to God for you? That he offers new life to you, dying to sins and living for righteousness by his grace and by his spirit. And this is exactly why the cross is fundamental to the Christian faith. Because the cross tells us clearly, unequivocally, that we, all of us, are people in desperate need of a Savior. And in Jesus, we find the very Savior that we need. One who loves us, and one who offers new life when we follow him. There is no one like him. So may we respond with worship, grateful for what he has done for us and maybe be moved to a deeper trust that we are more eager to live 